This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Second hour of Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. For quite some time, Puerto Rico has been a hub of pharmaceutical manufacturing. It has about 80 registered facilities on the island. 25% of U.S. pharma exports came from Puerto Rico, and 16 uh, 16 of the top 20 selling drugs were produced in Puerto Rico. But Hurricanes Irma and Maria have done significant damage to the island and to the supply chain coming out of the U.S. territory. So what is the state of the pharma industry in Puerto Rico, and what does this disruption mean for the industry as a whole? We ask those questions and more of Bill McLaurie, who is an assistant professor of professional practice and co-director of the Center for Supply Chain Management at Rutgers University. He's also a former executive director of Pharma Supply Chain for Novartis. We're also joined by Mark Schwartz, is a, who is a lawyer in the firm of Hyman, Phelps, and McNamara in Washington, D.C., and they are very much involved in the pharma industry. Bill, Mark, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. How important is production, Bill, in Puerto Rico to the U.S. industry as a whole, and, and how impacted is the sector right now because of what happened with these two storms? Well, as you said, there are a significant number of pharmaceutical companies that have facilities in Puerto Rico, uh, about 50 or so um, pharmaceutical manufacturers, 30 medical device uh, facilities down there, and more than half of the top 20 global pharmaceutical and biotech companies have facilities there. It's a huge part of the economy in Puerto Rico, uh, and there are a number of critical products that are produced for uh, the U.S. market and other places in the world from the islands uh, from the island of Puerto Rico. So this particular uh, storm system has devastated uh, the island and had a uh, far-reaching effect on their ability to produce products. Uh, so this is going to be something that they're going to have to deal with uh, for quite some time. So are we talking being down to, what, 5% production capability at this point? Well, my understanding is that uh, more than half of the companies are back up and running at okay. least partially okay. in their facilities with uh, at least uh, some generator power. How significant of an issue is this in your mind, Mark? Uh, very significant, um, so much so that uh, FDA's uh, relatively new commissioner, uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, um, has been down to Puerto Rico uh, to show support and to try to assist in whatever way FDA can, and has issued numerous press releases in the past couple of weeks um, to uh, emphasize that the agency takes um, the uh, the health of the pharmaceutical industry in Puerto Rico very seriously, and that the agency is doing what it can, not only within the ambit of its statutory authority, which could include approving alternate sites to manufacture products um, that uh, the, where the facility in Puerto Rico cannot manufacture them, uh, but also allowing for uh, import of products that are not otherwise uh, from approved facilities outside the United States, Um, but also just facilitating all sorts of other things, uh, fuel shipments, um, uh, export of of, uh, 
um, pro uh, uh, providing opportunities to export finished dosage form products off the island because of logistical problems that the manufacturers are unable to do themselves. So the agency is finding itself in a situation where it is uh, acting as a broker, for lack of a better term, with other federal government agencies in the U.S. to try as much as possible to assist uh, the pharmaceutical industry in, in Puerto Rico. And that tells me that obviously this is a very, very serious problem. Uh, and they want to try to improve things as quickly as possible for fear that um, shortly there will be shortages if uh, the situation is not improved. We are joined on the phone by Mark Schwartz, who is a, a lawyer at the firm of Hyman Phillips, Phelps and McNamara in Washington, D.C., also by Bill McClary of Rutgers University. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Bill, you kind of alluded to it, but I'll, I'll have you go further into it. I mean, what types of, uh, of drugs are we talking about that are being produced? I've seen uh, uh, stories talking about cancer drugs, rheumatoid arthritis, HIV. These are, you know, fairly significant needs here in the United States. That's correct. Uh, cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular drugs, as you mentioned, HIV drugs. So there are critical medications that are being produced on the island. Now, those particular medications may also have, um, you know, other facilities with sure. those uh, companies, yeah. and they may be able to get production from those facilities. So that might not necessarily translate directly into a, a shortage for those materials. Most pharma companies have, you know, uh, business continuity, disaster recovery, contingency plans, particularly for life-saving, quality-of-life type drugs. What we are seeing is some shortages, particularly at the hospital level, of some of the medications um, like sodium chloride, dextrose, things like that, um, where, as Mark indicated, uh, the FDA has been working very closely with the pharmaceutical manufacturers to get approval uh, on a temporary basis to bring products in from those companies from other facilities around the world. Uh, as an example, Baxter, who produces sodium chloride, glucose, uh, they're actually getting product from their facilities in Ireland and Australia, and the FDA has given uh, provisions for them to be able to bring those medications into the U.S. when they're not normally authorized to do that just because of the shortage situation. But, but a lot of these companies that are in Puerto Rico, it, it's not like they would be putting the proverbial all of their eggs in one basket and all production of a particular drug would be coming out of Puerto Rico, correct? Not necessarily. Um, it really depends on the drug and the company. Okay. Um, you know, it is expensive to maintain alternate facilities. So generally, if it is a uh, a drug that is, um, you know, uh, patent protected, if it is a quality of life drug uh, with is a critical medical need and you're the only manufacturer, you're most likely going to have at least a contingency plan. It may not be active. You may need to enact it where you've got an alternate facility that you can start up and produce product. But bear in mind also that most pharma companies have inventory. They maintain safety stock of product. Uh, the wholesalers will have some inventory. Even the pharmacies and hospitals, albeit a very small amount, will have inventory as well. So an immediate situation um, might be uh, something that could be staved off for a short period of time because of that inventory. So it's more 
something that might start to affect us now and over the next few months where we're going to see some spot shortages. Mark, as Bill alluded to, I mean, the FDA is going to play a, a pretty important role here. You worked at, at the FDA for quite some period of time. Take us into their mindset of, of what they are trying to deal with here, because it, it's, it feels like it's multifaceted. I mean, you're dealing with the, uh, with, with the drug manufacturers, but you're also, to a degree, I think, dealing with the culture down in Puerto Rico that's trying to recover from these devastating hurricanes. No, I think that's exactly right. And uh, I was at FDA for about 13 years, and I actually did some inspections in Puerto Rico. They have some uh, phenomenal world-class facilities down there. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, the, the FDA has had, um, you know, over s- several years uh, concerns um, and some bad PR as a result of shortages uh, that were worse, I think, several years ago uh, than they are today. Um, and there were some congressional hearings regarding the, the causes of some of these shortages. Um, and so it's clear that the agency does not want to find itself back in that situation again as a result of a couple of hurricanes uh, that uh, that have passed through Puerto Rico. So they're working overtime. There's no question about it. They've set up a committee within the uh, within the, the commissioner's office. To, uh, to to try to find solutions, practical solutions to these problems, and as I indicated, uh, they're they're going about some things in quite novel ways. You don't often hear, as uh, Bill mentioned earlier, uh, about the alternate sites that have been approved uh, for the the saline bags, for for example. You don't often hear of the agency approving uh, the uh, temporary import of products from facilities that are not FDA-approved facilities right. um, in Ireland and in Australia. So that, you know, that, that's quite rare. So clearly they're taking the situation very seriously. Uh, it is uh, probably one of the top two or three priorities uh, at uh, the agency right now, and uh, they're working overtime. But in terms of an economic impact for a particular company, Bill, how significant is it to you know any one uh, of these pharma companies that uh, that have facilities, and I guess the majority of them do have uh, facilities there in Puerto Rico? It can be very significant. It depends on uh, what products they're making and how much of their revenue stream comes from those products. Right. Uh, but you know they're going to face a um, situation where they're uh, potentially had some damage to their facilities. Um, they're operating at less than full capacity. They're trying to deal with their workforce down there uh, and maintaining their workforce. You know, what's the overall long-term impact on the economy? As we said, uh, pharmaceuticals is a huge part of the economy in Puerto Rico. Uh, so long-term, with their investment in these facilities in Puerto Rico, how does that play out for them? Uh, being that the, you know, the island has been devastated, the industry has been somewhat devastated as well. So this could have far-reaching effects financially on some of these companies. How how much do you think is the possibility? And obviously, when you have these types of facilities, and as you mentioned, uh, world-class facilities down there, they are making a significant investment in Puerto Rico to begin with. How much, though, do these companies maybe have a role in other elements of trying to bring back, to rebuild Puerto Rico in general? Because one of the topics we've talked about on the show is the potential growth of public-private partnership to help Puerto Rico not only recover from these hurricanes, but obviously also deal with the with the debt crisis that they're dealing with as well. Yeah, that's a tough question because each company is going to have to make their decisions on how much they're going to continue to invest, how much they're going to be invested in, uh, Puerto Rico and the economy, and I think um, that's yet to be seen, how that will happen. I think that they have a commitment to the workers that they have, 
the facilities down there, their supply chain partners. It's not just the, the pharma companies, but they've got partners that are supplying them with materials and uh, raw materials, packaged materials, chemical goods, and so on. So um, there's a far-reaching impact potentially on the whole economy. But there's also, Mark, is, isn't one of the reasons I was reading about uh, why Puerto Rico, to a degree, has been uh, an attractive location has been the tax status, the favored tax status that Puerto Rico has, uh, has profited, or I should say these companies have profited from being in Puerto Rico. Yes, and that uh, that's exactly right, uh, Dan. And, but that changed in, I think it was 1996 when Bill Clinton uh, signed um, uh, an amendment uh, into law uh, regarding the Internal Revenue Code that uh, phased out that tax-favored status over a period of a decade or so. And so that tax-favored status no longer exists. So one has to wonder um, over time, um, because since the 2000s to the present, some pharmaceutical firms have shuttered their uh, operations in Puerto Rico, whether this will only accelerate that process, uh, given the issues with infrastructure that are now uh, quite evident. So that's that's something to watch for. And that is obviously a concern, excuse me, um, uh, for that island. We'll have to see uh, what happens in the coming months and how quickly they can get the grid back up and running. Uh, for most of the island. One of the major concerns that it now seems prevalent is um, given that a number of uh, firms are running on generator power only, um, those generators are not supposed, are not intended to be used for months on end. Uh, so you're going to start seeing uh, failures of some of those generators um, over time, uh, unless you get the grid back up and running um, and using power from the grid. So a lot of things to watch out for in the coming weeks and months, including uh, the possibility of, of shortages. Well, and the other piece to it is just the people there in Puerto Rico, Mark. We've we've talked about uh, how uh, more and more people are well have been leaving off the island anyway in the last few months, but this is also another issue that just accelerates the problem of people saying, you know what, I- I'm going to go to the United States. I'm not going to come back until I know that uh, that my house or my section of town is is uh, is a lot better. No, I think that's right, but it also it also raises the question of the uh, the prudence of having uh, a very small uh, location being the hub for such a high percentage of high tech pharmaceutical industry right in Hurricane Alley. Right. Um, so that's that's something that I think uh, individual firms are going to have to think about down the road. Uh, I don't think that's an issue for government policy, but certainly uh, firms will be making decisions uh, based on uh, the response thus far um, and how things will get back uh, up and running in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, Bill, with your background with Novartis and and doing supply chain, I would think when when you're dealing with facilities in these locales, you have to factor in how much ever, you know, whatever that percentage is, you have to factor in because of the location for potential storm damage in terms of building out these facilities. Yes, absolutely. Um, as Mark said, that um, companies set up down in Puerto Rico because of the 936 tax benefit, which was phased out by 2006. But effectively what happened was there was a business cluster of pharmaceutical companies created in Puerto Rico. And so now you have the companies established down there originally because of the tax benefit, but now they've built up a worker base that has a certain skill set, and they're paying those workers pretty good wages. 
so they've got infrastructure down there. They've got a commitment down there. They've got skilled workers down there. So it uh, remained lucrative to continue to produce product down in Puerto Rico. But as you said, if you're going to be in an area that has high risk, you're going to have to have some type of risk mitigation strategies. Whether you have alternate manufacturing, you maintain additional uh, inventory of critical products, uh, so there are certain um, concepts that you have to put in place if you're going to be in a high-risk area. Mark, Mark, how will it work out with the – because obviously a lot of people in Puerto Rico, the, the main concern is, one, getting the power grid to be working up and running, clean water, making sure that the hospitals are, are in good shape down there. I would think that, that the repairs to the pharma industry or helping them out, that kind of falls below a lot of those core needs on Puerto Rico, and, and it may slow down the process of, of getting these facilities back up and running. Well, I think that's right, and you've seen some some uh, public statements made by so, uh, some pharmaceutical firms saying that they're actually helping out uh, their employees by bringing in um, uh, plane loads of supplies for their employees uh, right. because you know you can have the power grid back up and running and no damage to your facility but if you don't have the trained employees um, showing up in large numbers at your facility you you can't run anything and obviously these employees have been focused on their own health and well-being and that of their loved ones uh, for the past uh, two and a half to three weeks um, and um, you know coming into work and earning a paycheck has been understandably a secondary consideration for them so getting uh, these people's lives back in order uh, having a shelter for them and a supply of clean water and food uh, are preconditions it would seem to me uh, to getting pharma industry back up and running in Puerto Rico. But officials from the FDA will have to, I would imagine maybe they've already started the process. If some of these plants are starting to come back online at whatever level, uh, they have to be there to to do uh, to look at the plants and, and do inspections just to make sure that everything is still above board because the last thing any of these companies want to do, and I'm sure they're very aware of it, is to have an issue with a product being tainted of some kind that was impacted because of what happened with these hurricanes. Right, and I think that that would primarily be a problem with biological drug products. Uh, those are drug products that are, um, originate from living organisms, right. um, but um, because they're generally manufactured under aseptic conditions, and so any type of water infiltration or or can, contamination can create huge problems at the facility. But no, that's absolutely right, and uh, FDA may have to come in and do reinspections. Uh, but that would not, I believe, preclude these companies from getting back up and running once the grid is back up and their employees yeah. are back uh, at work on a regular basis. The agency would come as soon as they can, but unless there's a manufacturing change at the facility where they're switching out important pieces of equipment or opening a new manufacturing line, uh, that would not be a precondition to uh, starting up manufacturing of drug product or drug substance. Bill? Yes, they have rigid quality control programs in place, so they're going to do sterility testing. They're going to do all the analytical testing. They're going to put products on uh, stability. Uh, so they're going to take all the precautions to ensure that any product going to put out in the marketplace is going to meet all of the uh, acceptable standards. I think the bigger issue, even beyond the actual facilities themselves, is the infrastructure in Puerto Rico. We've talked about the uh, power grid, but 
you know, you've got roads that are blocked, you've got yeah. telecommunications that are down, you've got ports that are damaged. Keep in mind, you have to get materials into the island, you have to get materials out of the island, you have to move things around, including people. Uh, and so this becomes an issue. And as Mark said, you know, people up to this point have been worrying about their own homes, their families, their relatives. Um, you know, so getting back to a state of normalcy might take a while yet, particularly if it takes three to six months to get the power grid back up and running. 844 Wharton is the number for you to join in with your comments. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Bill McLarry from Rutgers University joining us, along with uh, Mark Schwartz, who's a lawyer at the firm of Hyman, Phelps, and McNamara, based in Washington, D.C. Bill, early on you touched on the impact that we will see here in the United States, at least with hospitals and, and and uh, the the lower production of drugs, how how much of an issue is that within our within our system? It doesn't seem like it would be a huge one, but but seemingly it it's something to be aware of. Yes, that's true. There are certain products that are going to be more vulnerable, particularly ones where there was already a capacity constraint to start with, and that seems to be the case with the uh, products for the hospitals, like the sodium chloride, dextrose, glucose. Uh, products that were only being produced by uh, one or two manufacturers. And now one of those manufacturers being Baxter down in uh, Puerto Rico having this issue, uh, that's constrained the supply even further. So product that is available is being put on allocation. Um, You've got other product that's being uh, provisionally approved to come in from other countries. uh, Where it's approved in those countries, it's a similar or the same product. Uh, It just needed that regulatory hurdle. And so you're going to see some spot shortages of various products, particularly those that were vulnerable even before the storm hit. Do you think, with you, with your background, do you think we could possibly see some of these pharma companies decide that because the repair is, you know, playing out three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever it may be, that they may decide to say, you know what? We need to close shop. We're we're just not able to get things up and running, and and this is an important drug that we produce here, whatever that might be, and, and they they potentially may shut a facility. That's certainly a possibility, uh, particularly for an organization that's got maybe one facility that's not producing a huge volume of that product. Um, if it was an alternate facility, you may see some uh, companies make a decision that it is all, you know, ultimately not worth it for them to reinstate their operation, particularly if they're having to get that drug from another facility. And if that facility ramps up capacity to be able to uh, provide that product to the market, uh, the company may view that it's no longer as necessary to have that facility in Puerto Rico. They may, in fact, make that decision to shutter that facility. Does the FDA, Mark, do do they step in if that is potentially an option and, and try and mitigate that problem? Uh, well, the agency is uh, always tries to, hopes that it doesn't come to that. Uh, it, it might under some circumstances. I would just add uh, to uh, to Bill's comment that it's more likely to happen to a generic product and a product that's been around for a significant period of time because those tend to be the less profitable products, uh, the the branded products um, that have mark that have uh, patent exclusivity and the like. Uh, it's less less likely to happen to, but that doesn't make it uh, an insignificant problem. Of course, the question is what could the agency do to mitigate that? And I'm not sure there's a whole lot that they could do on their own. Um, 
So obviously they try to encourage firms to not shutter their doors. That's not in the agency's interest. That's not in the public health interest. Sure. Uh, but uh, in terms of actual regulatory authority to do things that uh, to encourage or prevent the closure of a, of a facility, not a whole lot that uh, that FDA can do, to my knowledge. Well, and, and Bill, finally, I mean, it, it again, we I think have taken for granted or, or not understanding the full extent of what the pharma industry has meant to Puerto Rico uh, over the years and, and the impact that it has on the the economy of that country, and and certainly the stories you know are talking about obviously getting uh, the basics back up and running. But when you think about the the, the long term future of Puerto Rico, this is seemingly one of the most important elements that has to be addressed. Absolutely. It's uh, about 30% of the total economy of Puerto Rico is based on the pharmaceuticals, and it's more than 70% of their export market. Uh, so this is a huge uh, part of the economy. These are some of the uh, more well-paid workers in the workforce there. Uh, so the, the uh, pharmaceutical industry, the, the healthcare products, medical devices, uh, is a huge part of Puerto Rico's economy. Now, Having said that, I don't think you're going to see a lot of companies that are going to close their doors and pull out of Puerto Rico. It's going to be a very few that that might be the case. So ultimately, I think you'll see everything rebound, but how long that will take is yet to be seen. Great to have you both with us. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Mark. All the best. Thank you. Take care. Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.